another episode of the Sanskrit Studies podcast. My name is Antonia Ruppel and my guest today is Amba Kulkarni. Amba, if you and I were to meet on a plane or on a train and I asked you, so what do you do? What would your answer be? Oh, well, uh, actually I would say now Google has made my um, job very simple. All of us are familiar with the Google Translation. So uh, something like Google Translation I do, but not just the Google Translation, not just the translation, but something much more than that. So uh, since you are a Sanskrit scholar, uh, typically any Indologist, any Sanskrit scholar, when wants to read any Sanskrit text, uh, the person has to undo the sandhi, understand where are the breaks, word where one word ends and where the other word starts. Then one needs to know how the words are related with each other and then understand the meaning of each of these words by looking at what, what is the suffix, what is the stem and so on. So... I, being a computer scientist, I am trying to build a machine. I am trying to build a software which will help you in understanding Sanskrit texts by um, using this software. So, so this software actually, uh, well, let me put it in another perspective. Uh, typically, a Sanskrit scholar will have a dictionary on his table. He will have um, various uh, uh, dictionaries of uh, word. Uh, the the Paninian grammar will be there, and then there will be some dictionaries of word forms, dhatu patha or the shabda patha, etc. And uh, and then the text the person is reading. All these things are on his table, his or her table, and then the person will, person when is reading the text, uh, he or she will be referring to the Paninian grammar, referring to the Tahatu Pathas, referring to the dictionary and so on. What we are planning to do or what we have achieved so far is now you don't need all these things. You just need a laptop and on your screen all this information is available and you can navigate through them to understand your text. And this sounds absolutely exciting and um, listeners know that there will as always be notes, um, uh, liner notes with, with links to um, uh, Professor Kulkarni's exciting project. Um, but let me go back in time and ask you, how did you come to be interested in this? So you're a computer scientist, um, how did you get into that and um, how did you then find your path to using your computer science background on for working on Sanskrit? Oh, this is something very interesting. Actually, uh, my journey is really uh, has uh, several um, uh, several stages, I will say, in my life. Uh, I did my mathematics graduation and post-graduation. And uh, I wanted to work on in the field of relativity. Einstein was very famous during those days. It was Einstein's centenary. So naturally, mm -hmm. I was... Uh, a, 
I was excited and was uh, interested in doing PhD in relativity. But then uh, I realized that, no, this uh, solving differential equations is something which is very mechanical and uh, computers should be able to do this. And I should do only the interpretation part of it. And then I moved to computer science. I started learning programming and, and then uh, after a few days, it was in 1980s, late 1980s, there were several articles in newspaper and also some journal articles which I came across where the importance of Panini's grammar was mentioned for uh, representing the knowledge, for knowledge representation. The article I'm referring to is by Rick Briggs and um, he was working in NASA in those days and he had published an article where he clearly mentioned that the uh, method of Navyanyaya of expressing the Shabda Bodha is very, very similar to the knowledge representation schemes that are that were in use in those days in the artificial intelligence field. Could I just briefly interrupt you and ask you, um, could you say a little bit more about what Shabda Bodha means? Oh, yes. Shabda Bodha. Uh, Shabda is word. And bodha is the cognition. Shabda is something related to the word. So shabda bodha is the cognition that arises from the words or it is verbal cognition. Mm -hmm. So, so this, is, this, this is something which attracted my attention. And at the, during the same period, I came across one article by... Uh, a professor from IIT Kanpur, uh, his name is Professor Rajiv Sangal, and uh, his colleague, Dr. Vinit Chaitanya, both of them had written one article where they mentioned how the Karaka theory is very much useful for machine translation purpose. And they had given examples from Hindi uh, explaining how one can go for the uh, analysis of uh, Sanskrit texts, uh, how uh, the Karaka theory is useful uh, with several illustrations. And that really was a trigger point for me. Another trigger point for me was uh, the, uh, in the same, during the same period, there was one book by, uh, book on Vedic mathematics by the Shankaracharya of, um, I don't remember, sorry, uh, the author, I don't remember. The, the, um, yes, I, I, should, remember. I should know. Uh, his um, Shrungeri. It, it will all be in the notes. Okay, okay. yeah. Uh, so, uh, but, but actually, before, before we come on to Vedic mathematics, um, uh, given that uh, for, for you, this is all second nature, but could you uh, say a little bit more for our listeners about uh, uh, what you mean by the, the Karaka? Theory. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, uh, th this article by Professor Sangal, which describes the use of Karaka theory, let me tell what exactly is this Karaka theory. Uh, Panini, in his grammar, uh, when Panini dis 
now now there is again a problem should i go directly to panini and uh, uh, uh maybe maybe yes maybe yes i think um if uh, you know hearing about panini from someone like you would be absolutely wonderful so if you wanted to provide some general background and then focus on on, on, on the characters yeah what, because be directly wonderful. jumping into karaka well uh, i can mention the karaka but then uh, jump okay that also can be this is my problem where how deep to go and well uh, okay let me try to uh be brief as brief as possible so um i mentioned about this karak uh, use of karakas for um, analysis of sentences actually it is the uh, panini's grammar uh, from panini's grammar we get the insights about the karakas panini's grammar uh, i can say is uh, a model i will say computational model being a computer scientist i am using these words panini's grammar is a computational model where we uh, we see different uh, modules which combine together or which provide a sort of uh, step by step procedure to uh, transform our thoughts into a language string so uh, of course there can be uh, several number of uh, small modules but the major uh, distribution i can do this way we have a, a speaker has thoughts in his mind and the, now when speaker wants to express his thoughts naturally he picks up some lexical atoms in the language in which he is going to speak and these lexical atoms correspond to the event he is describing so let us take a simple event of uh, ram going to the forest so somebody is going to the forest there is an action of going and there are two things directly involved here in this activity who is going and where he is going now these participants in the activity these are termed as karakas by panini so now the the speaker decides a uh, speak, speaker identifies the karakas and then uh, he also decides how he is going to frame the sentence whether it is in active voice or passive voice so uh, and then based on that uh, these karakas are expressed through certain suffixes called vibhaktis and then you get the sentence so these karakas where uh, you express the relation between the actor or the participants in the activity and the activity itself and also there can be some other relations such as cause uh, or it may be uh, there, there might be uh, two activities one is the one activity which is happening uh, in uh, which which is preceding the other activity or there can there can be simultaneous events happening for each of these small um, uh, uh, various um, semantic units panini has given rules 
for express how to express these through various suffixes etc so we have the karaka relations which correspond to the uh, participants who are participating in the activity and there can be some other non participant uh, non participant participants uh, there, there can be some other uh, objects which are not directly participating in the activity but are indirectly related to the participants so all such Uh, relations karaka and non karaka relations i will say these are expressed through the shabda bodha through the verbal cognition and this representation is something really very unique um, in the sense that uh, the 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 indians have gone to very minute details Uh, regarding where exactly is the information how that information is encoded in a language string and how to uh, and then they represent it through some way of uh, linguistic expression which is called the shabda bodha and that expression resembles very close to the knowledge representation in artificial intelligence this is what the claim by uh, rick bricks and he has demonstrated with examples also so this is what attracted my attention thank you very much for this wonderful summary um i i had to i had to laugh when earlier you said um you weren't quite sure how much how much detail to go into and that's that's always the problem when or always the the, the question when you talk about panini because there is so much detail yeah. and um, many people who work on sanskrit who do not work on vyakarana so who do not work on 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 traditional approaches to grammar um basically find this very um very other very different a uh, little alienating and feel that oh you know we're absolutely fine learning sanskrit without knowing about any of this so um i very much appreciate your 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 successful attempt at giving us a a, a brief but um a comprehensive introduction to uh, fair amounts of paninian theory thank you very much um so where did you take that um uh, initial interest then what did you do with it yeah so uh, when i came across this article by professor sangal immediately uh, at that time i was working as a lecturer in mathematics in an engineering college i was teaching mathematics and programming to the engineering students but then i wrote to professor sangal and uh, professor vinit chaitanya and then uh, i i expressed my interest in uh, working with their team and then uh, i went there they they were at iit kanpur international institute of technology at uh, in at kanpur in india so i went there during the summer and winter holidays and i started understanding what they are doing and how i can contribute to their effort so uh, i remember they had developed uh, a generator for hindi now by uh, generator i mean the the word and word generator let me say so given the uh, given a Uh, a pratipadika or given a root or stem and suffix it will generate various forms of the word uh, 
noun as well as verb and so on and uh, also it can analyze uh, very simple sentences uh, into karta karma etc so uh, when first time i went there, and and of course for hindi they were following the uh, panini's grammar so uh, when i went there i told uh, when, and when they came to know that my mother tongue is marathi uh, professor chaitanya asked me can i uh, write similar uh, similar uh, sentential analyzer for marathi and uh, i took it, it as a challenge and within one month i could develop a program which will take simple sentences and produce the karaka uh, level analysis that is which is karta which is karma etc for a given marathi sentence so um, that's how then my journey started with this group at iit kanpur and um when you have so this would be still in the late 80s early 90s then uh, yes it was uh, precisely in 1988 89 mm-hmm. i went there and then uh, in and then after that in 91 uh, i decided to quit my regular job and join with them on project and i i went to iit kanpur and stayed there for 4 years and uh, and during that time i also of course decided to uh, take a, a masters degree in computer science so um, and uh, interestingly when uh, i was working towards my masters degree in computer science uh, i was supposed to do some project work and then there uh, the the department was very open they said yes you can take take up you can choose your own subject uh, of course my specialization was in natural language processing and artificial intelligence but then i was also interested in navya nyaya uh, so um, i said i will work on navya nyaya and um, it was of course professor vinit chaitanya with whom i had discussions and he suggested me that topic and i i was very much happy to work on navyanyaya because i was a student of mathematics and navyanyaya deals with logic so we thought of building a bridge between navyanyaya and the western logic and my thesis was uh on this bridge building between indian logic and the western logic mm-hmm. and you mentioned that so you were originally working or they were working on hindi you then added a marathi to it um which are you know languages in current use with many 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 speakers how did you then um make the turn to to sanskrit and an ancient literary language which i know is still in use in 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 india but um uh, at a completely different scale than for example hindi and marathi yeah so um uh, before uh, jumping to sanskrit let me say a few things so uh, yes, when, when uh, i had joined uh, iit kanpur for my masters at that time i was working uh, i was also working on a project which is uh, a machine translation system building a machine translation system from hindi to telugu so i was working on that also as a computer scientist and 
uh, I was also looking at the Indian uh, logic, Navyanyaya. And uh, for machine translation system, I was looking at the Vyakarana. So I was really mesmerized with the kind of in-depth knowledge uh, these two disciplines exhibited as far as the language processing is concerned. And, uh, and of course, we were working on uh, various Indian langu languages like Hindi, Kannada, Telugu, and Marathi, and so on. But then, uh, at some point in time, we decided to um, work on Sanskrit. It was, I think, in 2000. Before that, I also worked on English from Paninian perspective. I was looking at English grammar from Paninian perspective. But then mm -hmm. at some point in time, around 2000, 2001, I had uh, one student. Uh, and by then, I had shifted to a whole uh, group from IIT Kanpur had shifted to Hyderabad. And uh, in the International Institute of Information Technology, Hyderabad, uh, I had one student who was interested in working on Sanskrit. So, um, so then I said, "Fine, let us uh, let us de develop a morphological analyzer, that is a, a, a tool which will give us the analysis of a word. Uh, given a word, it will tell us uh, what is the." Uh, what is the suffix, what is the stem, and what is the meaning of that suffix uh, in the sense of what is the gender, number, and case marker, etc. So uh, we thought we will develop this. So we already had the Monier Williams Dictionary on Colon's website. So uh, we, we had the uh, Pratipadikas available to us. And uh, then we started building this morphological analyzer for Sanskrit. Uh, so it was 2001 or 2002. And uh, after that, uh, I also uh, went to Rashtriya Sanskrit uh, Sansthan at Tirupati. Now it is uh, called, its name is National Sanskrit University. Erstwhile it was Rashtriya Sanskrit Sansthan. Uh, and there I was teaching a course on programming languages and computational linguistics to the master students. And uh, during that time, we developed a Sandhi joiner uh, for Sanskrit because mm -hmm. those were the Sanskrit students. Naturally, it was, uh, it was natural for me to uh, work on um, work on Sanskrit language. And during that time, I think it was 2004-05, we developed a Sandhi joiner. So now we had the morphological analyzer. And the technique that we used is called finite state automator, which allows us to, uh, with the same data, we can have a morphological analyzer as well as generator. We don't need to write two separate programs and the same finite state automator. The tools that are available uh, can help us in building the morphological analyzer and generator. So we, we use off-the-shelf tools that were available and plugged in our Sanskrit data. Uh, and this data was in the form of uh, paradigms. Uh, and and we developed this morphological analyzer and generator, and we also had the Sandhi joiner. This was 
the period 2000 uh, up to 2006 we had a good coverage uh, morphological analyzer which could analyze the verbal forms as well as the nominal forms and even uh, some of the uh, non finite and uh, participle, past participle, present participles, on all this. And also it could anal, uh, it could do the Sandhi operation. So this was, this took some four years of efforts uh, with um, one or two students at a time, not many, uh, because for Sanskrit, we don't get many students. If it's <laughs> English or any other language, we will have... Uh, tens of students working for those mm -hmm. languages. But for Sanskrit, we had very few. Uh, of course, in Tirupati, I could get a good number of students because it was a Sanskrit university. And um, you've taken um, that work and developed it in, in so many different ways. Um, I'm now wondering if someone wanted to... Um, you know, read up on you, uh, get to know you through your work. What's your your favorite project that you've done or your favorite publication that you would recommend for people to read? Oh, uh, recently I have published a book uh, on uh, the theories of Shabda Bodha, how I used it for Sanskrit parsing. So Sanskrit parsing uh, following the theories of uh, Shabda Bodha. This is published by DK Public Publications, uh, DK Print World, I think. In the last few years, uh, what I have done is uh, I tried several algorithms uh, for parsing Sanskrit sentences automatically. Well, by sentences, um, I mean even the verses. Uh, so given any verse or any uh, text, but that should be uh, one sentence, not more than one sentences. So um, such a text can be parsed automatically and the machine will show how one word is related to another in that sentence. And the, the relations, names of the relations are the Karaka relations which I mentioned earlier. So. Uh, if I take any shloka from Bhagavad Gita or uh, Ramayana or even Raghuvamsha or Kalidasa's Meghaduta, uh, just feed in that text to machine and then machine will first uh, split this into words and then establish the relations between words and show the Shabda Bodha or the verbal cognition in the form of a tree. Now here I should mention that uh, for segmentation, for splitting the given shloka or verse or a sentence into words, I'm collaborating with Professor Gerard Huey from INRIA from Paris. He is a computer scientist and mm -hmm. he has developed a very good segmenter. Of course, he has a morphological analyzer and generator. He has a Sanskrit French dictionary also. Mm -hmm. but, but the most important thing which I like the most is the segmenter. Give any text to this segmenter 
and the segmenter shows all possible ways in which you can segment the given text. But when it is segmenting, it's not taking into account the meaning part. What it does is whether the, the segment is uh, morphologically valid or not. That's mm -hmm. what it checks. Uh, and then the next part is we need to know now which of these segments actually lead to a meaningful combination. And yes. this is where my um, work uh, plugs in. So, mm -hmm. so what we do is um, given any verse, first uh, we use this heritage platform of Professor Gerard Huey, for which I will give you the link. And then this segmenter will split the given sentence into words. And of course, there are several possibilities. And then uh, one of my students has developed a filter which will filter out nonsensical or less uh, probable splits and chooses the best possible split among all possible splits. That uh, segmenter, that segmentation, now I pass to my parser. And my parser now will check whether, uh, what, how the words in this list of uh, uh, in this segmentation how the words are connected to each other and of course here again uh, there are possibilities of uh, nonsensical solutions because computer can just understand the uh, sequence of characters but not the meaning of a meaning associated mm -hmm. with it so whether uh, just to give an example, suppose we have a sentence yanam vanam gachati. Now, whether yanam is the agent or vanam is the agent, that machine cannot decide on its own. Here, yanam and vanam both are in neuter gender and therefore both of them have could be the two subject. analysis. Could. Yes, uh, the, there are two possible analyses, nominative and accusative case endings are there. And so thus, there is a potential, uh, there, there is a possibility that yanam can be uh, the agent or yanam can be the, um, the object also. Direction. So, mm -hmm. uh, karta or karma. So what machine does is it produces both the answers. But then we try to prioritize them uh, based on some ranking algorithm which we have evolved. But of late we have, we have been trying to come up with some uh, model uh, that, can, that can use the concept of yogyata that is the mutual compatibility, mm -hmm. so that um, the other solutions can be ruled out. For example, yanam here we know is 
something which is movable vanam is something which is stationary and gachati is the activity going naturally needs uh, the karta or the agent who is movable and therefore if such information is fed into machine then machine can decide uh, that yes yanam is more probable to be a karta than vanam so of late we have started working on uh, modeling the yogyata and how does this system deal with the fact that um uh, a shloka so a metrical unit a verse does not necessarily equate a sentence so a sentence can go you know across several shlokas or a shloka can contain several sentences um how does your system um approach that issue oh great so um, if a shloka contains more than one sentences now machine can handle it but if a sentence goes across the shlokas uh, at present i see there is some memory issue with the machine so uh, i hope that uh, with uh, the advanced technology in few years this memory problem won't be there or we may come up with some better algorithms where we can handle more than one verses at a time your system you know as you've described it as you've developed it it can do so much what do you think it cannot do what do you think you can still make it do and what do you think will its limitations be oh great the end actually solutions to these uh, the answers to these questions lie in uh, our indian tradition okay uh, so mm-hmm. let me tell something more about indian tradition and how i am taking insights from it to build this system uh, why i am telling this is uh, we have nowadays this google translate or uh, google microsoft all of them are developing translation systems and all of them are using machine learning approaches whereas in my system i am not using any machine learning approach but i am fully dependent on indian tradition so let me tell mm-hmm. you uh, how uh, the indian tradition has helped me see for any engineering or technology we need a sound base of science right and this scientific knowledge comes from the indian tradition so um, when the, the in the theories of shabdabodha uh, there is a mention of three factors that are essential for uh, the verbal cognition and these three factors are expectancy akanksha yogyata the mutual compatibility or congruency congruity and sannidhi that is the proximity now when it comes to akanksha if i want to model this akanksha then my machine should know which words have expectancy for what and this information again comes from either the uh, the usage of the words or through the suffixes and then next comes the question of 
if two words are related to each other, what should be the name given to the relation between these two words? And here, uh, a few minutes ago, I had used the word karta and also agent. And I would like to uh, point out how the word karta is more appropriate than agent. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, this has, uh, let, let me take uh, an example. Suppose John is opening a lock with a key. So uh, I can express this event as John opens the lock with a key where John is the agent, key is the instrument and lock is the goal. Panini names these as karta, John is the karta. Lock is called the karma and the key is called the karana in Paninian tradition. Now let us imagine that John is trying to open the lock with key but he is not able to open. Maybe he is using some wrong key. Then he realizes he uses another key, but still the lock does not open. And finally, he finds the proper key and the lock opens. And he says, this key opened the lock. Now, in this sentence, this key opened the lock. This key is still an instrument, but for Panini, it is the Karta. And we can also imagine a situation where um, the lock opens automatically. Maybe there is rusting and because of that, um, you just touch it and the lock opens automatically. And, the, and then here Panini says lock is the karta. But according to the reality, it is the John who is the agent of the activity. In the sentence lock opened or the key, this key opened the lock. This key is not the agent. It is still an instrument. Now from the point of view of computational processing, this is something which is very important. In Sanskrit, when we have these sentences, the there will be agreement between John and open. John opens the lock. There is an agreement between John and opens. The key, this key opens the lock. There is an agreement again. And the lock opens. There is an agreement. And this agreement actually tells what, what Padini uh, says is, that there is this samanadhikaranya or there is an agreement between this when you are expressing it in active voice between the karta and the verb. So this information that is coded in the suffixes is very easy to extract for computer. But to say that this key is an instrument from the sentence, this key opens the lock, 
it's very difficult because then machine should know that for opening key can be an instrument and key cannot be an agent so for each such activities we will have to list down who all can be the agents who all what are the properties or what are what is what is what are the ontological characteristics or may, uh, properties or what are the um, uh, lexical or grammatical features that are associated and maybe we may have to go beyond the uh, we 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 may have to go beyond the ontology also to tell that this is the, these are the uh, possible the, these are the possible uh, the, these are the possible um, analyses no these, these are the possible properties of, of right, right. for something to be uh, uh, to be uh, agent or something to be an instrument and so on yeah, yeah. and uh, and it's not that if x is an instrument uh, in, instrument for y uh, activity it need not be an instrument for z but it can be a agent for z and so on so for each and every activity we will have to note down all this information which is something voluminous what yes. panini and what panini noticed is no don't call it instrument call it karta this key is this key opened the lock here this key is the karta so what panini is pointing out is in order to decide that this key is a karana in the real world you need to put lot of you need lot of more information to feed into the computer but from the given sentence you can very ready very easily extract the information that this key is the age uh, this key is the karta so uh, what what is possible and what is not possible through uh, with the help of just given a string of characters or the language string that is that, that is what panini has told us and this puts a kind of limit to what we can extract from a language string without providing any non linguistic information and this i will say is the greatness of panini so now i know what i can do with the help of computers using only the language string if i want to do something more what all information is needed that also i know so this this way the indian tradition has helped me in building the model deciding what to do and what to postpone to a later stage this is one example i will give you one more example and uh, this example is from the theories of meanings a word has uh, in indian uh, literature if you look at the word and their meanings the meanings are categorized into three uh types one is the literal meaning or it is called abhidha 
then you have lakshana which is a metaphoric or secondary meaning or extended meaning and there is vyanjana which is the vyangyartha uh, that is the suggestive meaning and here again the tradition has helped us a lot in deciding which meaning to use um, for analysis now before going into this i would like to go back to the example which we looked earlier yanam vanam gachati uh, i said that yanam in yanam vanam gachati there is one meaning namely it is the vehicle which is going to the forest but suppose let us just imagine a situation where uh, few people are dwelling in a forest and uh, one bmw goes to the forest and then all the dwellers all the people staying in the forest they go towards the yana to see it they are excited and they want to see this bmw so vanam is going towards the yana the whole village the whole forest is going there so this is the extended meaning it's not the by, by the forest we don't mean now the uh, physical entity but the people who are residing in the forest of course uh, we we may say vanam yanam prati gachati we will not say yanam gachati but just to um, uh, bring in the point of uh, extended meaning i use this example so we have the extended meaning and we have the literal meaning literal meaning of vana is here forest and the extended meaning is people dwelling in the forest so uh, and and take any language in the world you will see the words are being used both in the literal sense as well as in the extended sense for example the word bank bank may indicate a physical object the building or it may be an institution and so on so um, so we have uh, very frequently we use both the literal as well as the extended meanings of the word and we also have the suggestive meaning and here i came across some something from the mimamsa text where they say that uh, it is always the primary meaning which is to be given importance and only if the text is nonsensical with the primary meaning then go for the lakshana or the extended meaning or the secondary meaning or the metaphoric meaning so um, so here again if i need to process something with the help of computers i am given the algorithm actually uh, if you go for uh, the Uh, kavya shastra and other texts where the meanings are discussed in great detail they have given uh, three conditions the first co- three conditions for uh, uh, the usage uh, for, for the use of lakshana you can use lakshana that is the secondary meaning only if 
the primary meaning is not applicable mukhyarthavad this is what they say primary meaning is not applicable then there is some relation of the secondary meaning with the primary meaning it's not that secondary meaning is something which is totally absurd or unrelated to the primary meaning there should be some relation and it should also be in vogue it should also be in usage rudhi there should be rudhi or prayojana so there should have been some previous instances of such usage and then you can say that yes uh, here lakshana is applicable so now if i want to establish a relation between uh, yanam and gachati or vanam and gachati then i will always try to use the mukhya artha that is the primary meaning and only if there is incompatibility i can go for the secondary meaning and what about the suggestive meaning actually suggestive meaning is something which is over and above the primary or the secondary meaning it always exists in parallel and the the example that is discussed in the uh, literature is gatostam arkah the sun is setting and now really the sun is setting here <laughs> so uh, the the when i say the sun is setting well when mother says this to the child the child understands that oh it is getting late and now i have to wind up my uh, play and come back home uh, or uh, th- there are various meanings associ- uh, various derived meanings or suggestive meanings associated uh, with sentences and such suggestive meanings typically are used by the the speaker uh, to convey some uh, extra meaning which which he, he or she wants to hide from other listeners and only the uh, intended listener will get Uh, so it's something like an encoding system where the uh, the normal conversation is meaningful but there is some meaning which is over and above this uh, meaning so there are now two meanings which are existing in parallel and what is also being discussed in these uh, when they discuss this suggestive meaning or vyangyartha is this vyangyartha is different for different pairs of listeners and speakers so for one speaker listener pair there will be one suggestive meaning for another speaker listener pair the meaning will be different meaning might be different and it there might be a context involved which will play a role of deciding the suggestive meaning and what does all this mean this means that objectively we cannot extract the suggestive meaning it depends on the subjects the speaker or listener or the context and therefore this is something which is as i understand beyond the scope of today's computation 
unless of course i'm not saying it is totally impossible in future it might be it might be possible also some of the meanings can definitely be extracted and i uh, somebody had told me that in the literature there are discussions on what is uh, how how to extract this vengyartha and uh, other things so i think there are two types of vengyarthas uh, i i don't have direct um, uh, the examples readily available to me at present but uh, this is what we had discussed few uh, months ago with a uh, few Uh, literary scholars and what i gathered is there are two types of vengyarthas few vengyarthas we can extract uh, computationally also it should be possible to extract provided of course we uh, give uh, certain information to it or we do discourse analysis and other things and there are certain things which cannot be so uh, so what what i wanted to point out here is in our tradition in uh, when uh, in uh, vyakarana nyaya as well as mimamsa all the three shastras they are telling us uh, how to analyze a sentence how to extract the meaning where exactly is the information available what type of information is available what you can extract and what you cannot extract and if you want to extract something what extra knowledge is needed and all that so um, there is uh, enormous amount of information available in the literature mm-hmm. and i am getting benefited out of it day by day thank you for another absolutely beautiful and comprehensive answer um i was wondering you've you've mentioned um several of the knowledge sources that are relevant for for your work so there's linguistic theory there's literary theory there are various philosophical philosophical approaches now if a student wanted to basically in effect do what you do wanted to join uh, you in your work uh what would your advice for them be how should they approach um their studies how should they structure their learning what should their their steps along the way be what should they do in order to be able to uh do work similar to yours oh well uh, we have and apologies i know that's not a very simple to answer question <laughs> yes, but i yes it's not <laughs> that simple to answer this question actually uh in order to build this system what we need is a team of people it's not a, a single person's uh, work mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. let me tell you that when uh, when i say um, uh, i have developed actually it's not me but uh, a team of us who has developed these systems uh, my name is there because i am guiding them or i am hosting it on our university website and all that but uh, so so far uh, around 9 students have worked with me phd students who worked with me on uh, developing these various components and another 8 are working with me so uh, and of course other than these uh, i have also collaborations with various uh, other uh, uh, other colleagues uh, both in india as well as abroad and we work collectively 
second thing is uh, as far as the uh, the uh, various kind of exposure or the domain knowledge that is needed we need people who are good in mathematics we need people who are good in programming we need people who are good in vyakarana or nyaya or uh, mimamsa or kavya and uh, uh, all the, the students who register with me they come with different backgrounds so depending on their expertise uh, what we do is we try to complement each other and work together so i would say that if you are really passionate about working in computational linguistics first thing is you should be very thorough in one of these shastras one of these disciplines either mathematics or computer science or if you want to use machine learning techniques maybe data sciences and artificial intelligence or vyakarana or uh, nyaya or mimamsa or kavya prakash uh, the uh, the uh, uh, kavya so uh, you need to be uh, expert in one of these disciplines your foundation should be very good in one of these disciplines and then you can work and collaborate with others to uh, develop uh, and of course uh, i'm not saying that you stop with one discipline you when you start working with others naturally uh, when, when you are discussing with linguists well i also forget to mention linguists when you are discussing with linguists naturally you acquire their vocabulary you acquire uh, the knowledge uh, of uh, what is happening in the western linguistics etc or if you are uh, talking with if if you have a problem in your hand uh, and you want to develop some algorithm then Um, i would say the grammarians vyakaranas who are trained in uh, panini's ashtadhyayi uh, in the in the prakriya that is the derivational aspect of the words they are very good uh, at algorithms writing the step by step procedure so uh, if you have that training then you can pick up programming languages very easily Uh, so don't stop at your own discipline you start acquiring various uh, other uh, uh, knowledge from uh, other domains but it's a team work which is important you alone cannot develop everything you need to have a good uh, team to uh, uh, to develop uh, such computational tools I hope that many students are are listening to this and taking these words to heart and I I couldn't agree more that that uh, successful academia has to be about collaboration between people with with different skill sets and um I I always love it when I I have the chance to work together with someone whose work um is is different from mine but is such that I am able to access it and learn mm. more about it so that I don't become a specialist in yeah. it but at least I have a working understanding and then know how I can better collaborate how I can work better together um with 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 this person yeah exactly um, exactly but yeah but a completely completely different question um uh, wonderful news you have just won the entirely wonderful but also unfortunately entirely fictitious sanskrit studies podcast research grant which gives you the opportunity to focus on any sanskrit related research area for several years alone or together with others first of all 
congratulations. Second of all, what are you going to use it for? Oh, such a wonderful news. So let me now <laughs> imagine, think of um, what, well, there are many things in my bucket list. So, Excellent. Um, so one thing that I have in, um, I, I wish is, can I, uh, can I simulate Panini on computer? So Panini I want to simulate on computer. This is something, uh, another thing that I have in mind. And when is, you say simulate, what do you mean? Apologies for oh, interrupting you. Oh, okay. So uh, by by simulating Panini, I mean, see this Panini Zastadhyay is a grammar which is written for a human brain. And um, the students of grammar, they use this Panini's grammar for deriving uh, various words, either the nominal forms or verbal forms or uh, participles and their uh, inflections and so on. And when they do this, they apply the rules in a specific way. And Panini has Actually, there is an inbuilt mechanism in Panini which tells you which rules are blocked when and how to apply the rules and so on. But uh, but the the uh, rule interaction and rule selection is not that clear, and there are various um, uh, various uh, schools who uh, differ regarding the meta language that is uh, used in Panini, the Paribhashas. So um, one school says that we will follow only Panini, whatever the meta rules are there, we will use them and derive the word forms. The other school says, no, no, we will, if, if I don't understand Panini, I will go to uh, the Patanjali, the Trimuni, Katyan and Patanjali and we'll look at how they have resolved this problem and whatever principles they are using, we will use them. There is yet th third another uh, yet another school, the third one, uh, who says, no, we will follow the entire Paninian tradition up to Nagesha Bhatta. And now here, uh, each of these three schools, uh, they have different uh, set of axioms, let me say, or different um, uh, set of um, beliefs. I should uh, well, uh, it's the axioms, the set of uh, the the set of rules that are used for interpretation or for deciding the rule interaction or rule selection is different for these three sets. And there is no unanimity among these, which one to follow. The, the debate is still going on. And um, uh, of course, there are very few who will say, I will follow only Panini or I will follow only Trimuni, that is Panini, Katyan and Patanjali. Most of the... Uh, the most of uh, the scholars belong to the third school. But still, it is very interesting and uh, intriguing for me to know uh, if 
okay, I, I would like to know which of these schools is giving a better picture of Panini's Ashtadhyayi. So I would like to build a machine where there will be three buttons. I select one of these buttons, I, uh, the first one for Panini, the second one for the three munis and the third one for the entire um, entire uh, Paninian tradition. tradition. And then... Um, uh, and then I would like to see uh, if I simulate it following Panini, what happens? If I simulate the uh, system following the three monies, what happens and so on. So uh, essentially, I would like to know what are the basic differences between these three schools? What are the uh, problem areas? And for that, I would like to build uh, a computer system. So this computer system is going to simulate uh, Ashtadhyayi from three different perspectives. Uh, of course, in order to do that, you should know Panini's grammar very well, which I am not good at. So first thing naturally will be to learn Panini's grammar Ashtadhyayi <laughs> with a guru and then maybe uh, do this simulation or whatever. Uh, the uh, Of course, uh, I am also interested in the structure of uh, Ashtadhyayi from computational perspective, I would like to know what Panini has done, how he has done, how he has written the sutras and so on. The uh, Then there is another wish list uh, that is, um, uh, I would like to work on Navya Nyaya further uh, and would like to see if I can build an inference engine based on the Navya Nyaya. Mm -hmm. And what would an inference engine do? Well, uh, we, the, the inference engine will take, um, say, uh, the, the stock example is Parvato uh, The hill is fiery because of the smoke. So uh, somebody sees uh, uh, a hill which is fiery, uh, sorry, which is uh, smoky. Uh, there is a smoke uh, on the hill and then uh, he concludes that it is um, it is fiery uh, because there is a smoke so uh, in uh, in nyaya they have given uh, step by step procedure to arrive at uh, this uh, conclusion it is called pancha avayavi but uh, not just that they, they, there is uh, the use of uh, later use of Indian theories of uh, the the theories of Shabda Bodha actually helps uh, further in uh, the analysis or inference building inference engines. So uh, I would like to see if I can uh, use uh, take insights from these uh, theories of Shabda Bodha the concept of uh, they they have uh, special uh, special technical terms such as avachedaka or nirupaka. I'm going little deep into the shastras which I didn't want to, but there there are these concepts such as avachedaka, nirupaka, uh, anuyogi, pratyogi, etc. Uh, and these actually help a lot in representing. Uh, representing uh, 
a natural language sentence precisely. So if there is an ambiguity, that ambiguity can be resolved with the help of uh, this. Uh, if there are, uh, say, ambiguous, uh, uh, if there is an ambiguous sentence, the ambiguous meanings can be represented in different ways using these uh, these technical terms, avachedaka, etc. And once you represent them unambiguously, then uh, we can use uh, normal logic to arrive at the conclusion. So, um, so essentially, um, the inference uh, the inference engine will take uh, such sentences, express them in the form of uh, these uh, Navyanyaya expressions, which are. Um, which are uh, which use technical terms for disambiguation etc so there can be multiple representations of a same sentence if the sentence is ambiguous and then um, when you have a set of sentences like such as parvato parvata vanniman and uh, this hill is um, uh, this is a hill and this hill is fiery and so on. So if you have a set of sentences and uh, another fact that wherever there is smoke, there is uh, there is fire. If such sentences are there, from these sentences, how you can arrive at a conclusion? There is this step-by-step um, -step procedure given by Nayaikas and if we can express them with the technical language, it is possible to have a mechanical system which will arrive at this result. So once we have the parser ready, which already we have uh, now, uh, we, we can now use this parsed output and the uh, Indian uh, theories of uh, Shabda Bodha to build this inference engine. This is something going to take another 20 or 30 years of my life if I stay long <laughs> that long. And I am very much looking forward to seeing and using both the inference engine and the and the machine with the three buttons. Uh, I think uh, this is this is such a wonderful image. Uh, thank you very much uh, for for sharing these sharing these wonderful thoughts and ideas. Um, if I might ask one final question: uh, If the goddess of time were to come to you and tell you that you can um, learn any skill that you would like, whether it's a practical skill, a theoretical skill related to your prior work, completely unrelated to it. What would you want to use that time for? Music and dance. Oh, wonderful. Any any specific um, uh, styles of dance or any, any specific kinds of music that you particularly appreciate? Well, uh, actually, I'm trained in Hindustani music. I know uh, I can appreciate Karnataka music, but I still cannot appreciate the Western classical music, which I would like look forward to uh, get trained in. And uh, as far as the dance is concerned, well, um, all forms of dance actually excite me a lot. Mm -hmm. Of course, I'm well, talking about the Indian dance forms. Uh, I mm -hmm. have not, um, I didn't have much exposure to the Western uh, classical uh, opera and others, but Indian dance forms, 
I'm very much, uh, I, I like uh, all the dance forms. And then I hope that the goddess of time holds true to her promise and will give you time to learn all the different dance forms that you are interested in. And um, uh, Amba Kulkarni, thank you so very much for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you. Thanks a lot. It was wonderful talking to you. And uh, uh, the, these were all extempore answers. I, I really enjoyed uh, talking to you. Thank you.